LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Steve, the Rogue Scholar. Um, don't let my smile uh, uh, deceive you. Today's discussion is going to be a challenge for me. <clears throat> I'm going to use stories from my own life as illustrations rather than try to paint off somebody else's stories. Um, I may use some other stories too, but for the most part, I'm going to try and focus on something very, very um, happening to me right here, right now. Um, but I think it's probably happening to millions of us. And we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it because to admit what I'm going to say here in a minute is, uh, now I guess it's seen as a sign of weakness or it's seen as uh, something unmasculine or um, irresponsible maybe even. But, you know, I made a lot of mistakes when I was a kid. And when you're a kid, there are mistakes. And we have this kind of arbitrary age where people are expected to be adults and expected to have it going on, expected to be, you know, in charge of their own decisions, you know, etc. They talk about informed consent. They talk about all forms of, you know, making good decisions, things like that. And, um, you know, years ago, I had, you know, been such a derelict, such a, a drunk, such a, a useless tool, right? a pickled brain that had no purpose of living other than to wake up and get drunk again. Okay. Now, you know, my parents, they didn't know what to do. They were just as clueless as the next guy. They had no idea how to deal with me or my brother. Well, that's his story to tell. But you start making bad decisions right there. You know, you go out, you get behind the wheel of a car drunk. You make that decision when you're drunk already. So it's not like you're making it with your brain. You're, you're making it with your pickle brain. <clears throat> and then it carries forward when you're meeting people after you're drunk. But those are the ones that we can all talk about relatively simply. And people go, ah, people are drunk. They're stupid. They make dumb mistakes, whatever. But what happens when you're completely sober and you have no concept or understanding of what to say, what not to say when applying for a mortgage, or you have no idea who to trust when it comes to investigating or investing? Um, you know, the people that make it have money. You know, and the reason why they make it is because they can fuck up. And there's a cushion there. 
Nobody says, why didn't you make good choices? Because they never have to ask for help. They're, they're, they're fucking flush with cash. It doesn't make a shit. It's been a difference. <clears throat> but if you don't understand what to do with your money, if you don't understand you know, how to fill out a form and not be in violation of the law, uh, if you don't know how to, you know, interview for a, you know, a job, or you don't know how to write your resume, or you don't know how to make good decisions because ultimately all your brain can handle is, hey, they say going to school is good, so you go to school a lot, and all of a sudden you got a hundred thousand in debt. You didn't realize that the economy wasn't going to be there to support that decision. Was it a good decision to go get a lot of education? I don't know. It depends on what time in history you're being asked the question, right? When I was growing up, it was the highest, highest order of achievement to have a degree. And the idea of getting a master's degree, absolutely unheard of. In fact, in my family, no one had even gotten a degree before. I remember being extremely ecstatic that my father was sent away to Iowa with the phone company when I was growing up. Uh, so he could take some college classes. I remember my mom doing some correspondence courses uh, to learn how to type. Um, but they were paying maybe 50 bucks for a course, maybe 100 bucks for a course. Nowadays, one semester of an online, an online PhD program might cost you 18,000 for a semester, just one semester, 18,000 might be more than that might be 50,000, but all you can do is you can make decisions and who's there to guide you. You know, back when I was growing up, you know, my mom and dad were not the easiest people to talk to. My mom was, my dad was not, <laughs> me and my dad have a famous history of brutal fighting. Um, so decisions, I always felt like they were my enemies. Felt like my parents were my enemies growing up a lot of the time. Um, and you know, kids always know more than their parents do. So you go out, you buy a house, you, uh, take on debt. And all of a sudden the economy goes south. All of a sudden, some piece of shit says, Hey, we got to reduce the deficit. They cut spending recessions come. And, uh, all of a sudden you're out of a job. The, the market dries up and you've got the house payment. You've got the student loans. You've got the child support. You've got the, you know, maybe you bought a car. Maybe you bought something on credit card, whatever. Now all of a sudden you're in arrears on child support because you got laid off and your mortgage goes in arrears and you know, all of a sudden you owe debt to the IRS. All of a sudden there's all this shit on you and it's like, who can I talk to? So I don't make yet one more bad decision to top it all off and become completely useless and fucking buy a gun and blow my goddamn brains out. 
the people that have it going on, smarty pants of the world, the people that are born into money, the people that have people that can advise them, stuff like that. They stand there in judgment of you. And, uh, you know, you go to apply to refinance something and they say, well, let's look at your credit history. They look at your credit history and they say, well, wait a minute here. We see six months of missing your student debt payments. Those are over 90 days late, you know. Those are grossly behind. And what's this $4,000 arrearage in your child support? Are you a deadbeat? And uh, so you go out and ask and beg and plead and hope. And you're not even being able to pay forward to get ahead. You've got to pay behind because it's expensive to be fucking poor. It's expensive to make mistakes. And there's some jackass out there saying mistakes make us what we are today. They make us a better person. You know, it's like the crucible. It brings about the shiny diamond. Some fucking bullshit. Some bullshit. I just here recently was looking at uh, Mike Norman's well, I don't have any money to invest, but I wanted to see what investing in MMT might look like. And uh, let me see here if I can find this here. Let's see here. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here real quick, just so you can see what getting some of this advice might cost you kind of blown away. Actually, I'm not even gonna lie. Okay. So this is Mike Norman's Pitbull economics and Mike Norman knows his stuff. He really does really smart guy. Sign up here for a 30 day free trial. The report is free for the first 30 days. Then build at $395 a month. Once you've registered and submitted your payment information, you'll be given access to the latest report and archives. Reports are in PDF format. You know, everybody's deserving of their, uh, whatever they think they're worth, you know, and if you're willing to pay the, pay the price, you know, then, then it's worth your time. But how many people have $400 a month to pay for a PDF report or investment advice, you know? And um, I don't. I know I don't. Damn, my nose is itching. Sorry, folks. And that's just that, right? How would you ever be able to, um, how would you ever be able to really change your circumstances with any kind of predictability with any kind of certainty you got to have specific knowledge so i was trying to apply to um fix my mortgage because my mortgage um you know i had some issues back in 2008 2009 and during the global financial crisis I lost my family during that time period and uh, 
My house went way in arrears. I had to go on this thing called the HAMP program. And the HAMP program allowed you to take your arrears and bump them to the end of your loan as kind of a modification. And all of a sudden you go to do this and they're like, well, wait a minute, what about this? What about that? And how much money do you have in the bank? Do you have two months of living expenses before we allow you to tap into the equity of your home? Do you have two months living expenses stashed just waiting for you? I don't know too many people that have two months of cash just stashed away. How would you even know to do that? How could you do that? What, what if you can't do that? Do you just lose all the equity in your home? Is the only way out to sell your home and move away and leave everything you know behind? You know, we make decisions with the best information that we have. And then we're there to be ridiculed and um, chastised when we don't measure up, when, we, when, the, when the decisions we made go down. And so this, this capitalist world that we're in incentivizes the mortgage brokers and incentivizes these people to give you the highest interest rate loan possible so they get comp for it. Even if they could give you 2% off, how would you know? How would you know that you could get less unless you go running around shopping for it? And how would you know to do that? Because once you actually put it out there, now you've got a hard inquiry on your credit. Now, all of a sudden that drops your credit score. And then you get your credit card credit score up. I don't know if you all are familiar with this, but there's more than one FICO score out there. Lesson learned. The FICO score that you see through Credit Karma and stuff like that is just about credit card debt. It's about your ability to get like some personal loans, small ticket loans and credit cards. There's another FICO altogether for housing. And so I had made some moves to make my credit karma score go up only to find that those moves actually, actually, end up hurting you because they hurt against the other FICO score. Who knew? No one, right? So for those people who got the fat stacks that can put the 400 out for a PDF once a month, hat tip to you. You made some good decisions. I'm very proud of you. I'm glad you have 400 bucks to throw at that. I don't think most do doesn't matter how noble it is, doesn't matter how unnoble it is, doesn't matter whether you're participating in a capitalist's bullshit dealing with the fire sector and skimming uh, unpaid wages with your investment, gambling. You see, it's good gambling because it's you know, investing. We call that good gambling, right? I've personally never had any success even when banking on a 401k like here just whatever bucket you have that's like the middle grade not too risky not too unrisky whatever even then 
you don't have that good, uh, you know, you don't have that good outcome. And so most people, except for the safe for the few people that are going to champion $400 a month for a PDF and good for you, if that's you, um, most people don't have a week of living expenses saved up. Most people don't have <laughs> the ability to survive even a minor break in employment. And most people don't have anybody that will just tell them the straight skinny. Cause even when I was in grad school and I'm sitting there and I'm the interloper folks, I didn't belong in that classroom, man. I was the guy that been to jail for drunk driving. I was the guy that had been, you know, screwing up. I'm sitting there with all these chiefs and, you know, all these executives doing a master's degree, taken on huge debt that I thought was going to pay off in spades. It was my one good decision to get me out of the hole. And um, these guys, and gals in the master's program, they would be sitting there, didn't want to share information. I, I want to be the valedictorian. And so there was this dog-eat-dog -dog component. Now fancy that, it's an MBA program. You guess you're just fucking ginning it up to become a dog-eat-dog -dog parasite, right? But even in that, the idea of sharing knowledge was just, just not there, man. It was very libertarian-esque. It was very pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And for those that celebrate that kind of shit, fuck you, you know, fuck you maybe. <laughs> um, but who do we have watching out for us and who do you go to? There is literally nowhere to go. If you weren't born into a family that knew money, if you weren't born into a family that had connections, if you weren't born into a family, you have to be perfect. You got to score higher in school. You got to save more. And you still got to dress great so they don't look down their nose at you, so they even talk to you. This is society, Seb. And as you go and you try to make a name for yourself, every time you try to make a name for yourself, you're taking a risk. Now, that risk may turn out to be the greatest risk of all time. But you don't know that. No matter how much you think you know that, you don't know that. And You got to have money to make money. They say scared money don't make money. That's cute. It's probably true too. But if every bit of your life is spent trying to exist, the idea of having disposable income sitting around for you to go out there and invest with or learn how to invest or whatever, it ain't there. It ain't there. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here with a family and children. My dad is dead. 
My mother is sundowning at this point. She's got dementia. I don't have anybody to talk to. And those that I could talk to that are in my sphere either will give you a very cryptic, like three word text message to explain a deep thought that needs to be spelled out. Or they make you pay for the advice. Right? But this isn't just getting ahead. This is survival. And this is the world that most of you inadvertently lift up and elevate and try to push off as acceptable. The crypto craze, perfect example. Tons of people heard from pump and dump experts, people that were desperately hoping there was a sucker on every street that was going to help pump up their crypto holdings. Hodl, hold on for dear life, hodl. And most of those people lost and lost big. Yes, there were some winners. But that's the way this casino of our existence acts and behaves. And if you fail, that's just the price of admission. But you and I aren't currency issuers. We don't print our own money. We can't keystroke our own U.S. dollars. So when we make a mistake, when we err, when we make a bad decision, it comes with it the expense of possibly costing our children their home, their lives, their health care, whatever. You know, I look back at the, um, the COVID COVID situation. And for those of you who followed me for a minute, I don't get COVID like kind. I don't get sort of COVID. I really get fucking COVID. When I get COVID, it's a fucking shit show. My oxygen's in the 80s, flashing lights everywhere, pneumonia, 106 fevers, shit like that. And you're sitting there, too fatigued to get out of the bed. Your family clearly doesn't know what to do about COVID. You've got assholes out there telling you not to listen to your doctor because they're better off telling you how to deal with it. So now you're fucked. You're laying in bed. You can't even lift up. And all you've got is you're, you're laying in bed, like looking at your cell phone to figure out what do I do with COVID? What do I do? Do I trust my doctor? Or do I trust some libertarian on Twitter? What do I do? Think about it. Think about what I'm saying. And then, then if you decide to go with your doctor, because God knows what the hell would a doctor know compared to your friend Sambo on Twitter, right? Your doctor versus Sambo on Twitter. What would you fucking know? And Sambo's over here, you should take ivermectin. And your doctor's going, well, you know, we're going to have to treat the symptoms and we're going to have to, you know, 
give you lots of fluids, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And if it gets really bad, we'll give you some remdesivir. Oh, don't take remdesivir. That's horrible. It's going to kill you. Oh, okay. Hey, we've got a vaccine. It's got a MRA, NRA spike uh, protein. Oh, my God, you're sheep. Your doctor's saying, hey, you know something? It may not stop it from ever happening, but it will make all this horrible, the, the really, really bad stuff, mitigate that so you don't end up in the ER again, Grumbine. Oh, you're going to fucking listen to that dumb fuck doctor? God, what are you, a sheeple? Why aren't you taking ivermectin? I know everything about Fauci. Don't you know? I read the Twitters. I read the Twitters. How could you not know everything you need to know about this brand new pandemic that there's so much disinformation on? Why don't you take some ivermectin? Fuck your doctor, man. I'm telling you, I'm giving you straight skinny, man. Hey, yeah, a pack of Marlboros and a pack of cools. Yeah, no, seriously, man, it's all good. Just get you some ivermectin, man. Uh, the ivermectin is really good at cleaning out parasites from your bowels, but not really good at cleansing your blood and et cetera and your lungs. Well, he's just full of shit. He's a propagandist. He's lifting up big pharma. What do you do? What do you do? I'm sitting here telling you massive, massive amounts of information about economics. Economics that I paid over $100,000 in school money to learn the wrong shit. $124,000 worth of student debt to learn all the wrong economics. Because you're supposed to go to college. That's what good people do. That's what people that are going to be successful do. They go to college. And the more college you get, the better your career will be. Trust us. And so you're like, I don't know what I did wrong. I went and got college. I did all these things, and yet I'm still making the same money that the dude flipping burgers makes. But I got this $100,000 fucking student debt hanging on my neck like a goddamn albatross. What do I do? You did the right thing. You went to school. Everybody needs an education. Education's the most important thing. And I believe education is the most important thing. Because you can't make any of these decisions if you don't have it. But who do you trust? Who do you trust? There's always some fucking sarcastic, jackass, anti-established, libertarian, busy sitting there with their arms full going, you didn't know shit, man. You're fucking stupid, man. Oh, man, oh, you just got to do this thing, man. You know, fuck them, man. You just got to do this thing. I'm telling you, no matter what you do, there's some shithead desperately waiting there in the wings to tell you you did the wrong thing. There is some shithead waiting there in the wings always to tell you that stuff. So, as I'm sitting here telling you about economics, as I'm telling you about modern monetary theory, nobody taught me that in school. 
I didn't learn that in the MBA. I didn't learn that in the Master of Science and Technology Management. I didn't learn any of that. I was busy thinking that there was a fractional reserve system that banks lent out deposits, that banks lent out reserves, that the United States government borrowed from private banks that it provided and created charters for and gave its unit of account to and chartered them out. Yeah, that same thing. It, it, the more you say it, the stupider you feel, but you paid a lot of money to learn that. Okay. You know, I try and explain to people things because to me, I didn't have that. And even in this MMT movement, I've had to learn so many things and synthesize things differently than others do because they have a different angle. They have a different approach. They have a different desire. They don't understand what I went through to learn MMT. And so they dismiss my experience, how I learned MMT, because they think they know better. That's no joke. They think they fucking know better. But I'm telling you right now, I came out of grad school as a libertarian pushing for Ron Paul. And I had to unlearn $100,000 worth of student debt so that I could understand how the economy actually worked. And some douche nozzle will come up out of the blue. Don't you know printing money causes inflation? Who are you, stupid? Crack open the spine of a textbook. Self-styled experts. I want you to understand why I'm saying this. Going back to the turn of the century, even before that, Brother Bill Clinton, who made a special flight for a young, mentally handicapped individual to be put to death. He wanted to prove to Republicans he was tough on crime. After contract with America and all the other stuff with the blue dress happened, they reinvented government because everybody thought government needed to be run like a business. They didn't understand money was a public utility. They didn't understand that money was created by the government. They thought that it was made by private banks because some jackass went around telling them it was made by private banks. And so they went ahead and reduced the deficit and they had a surplus. And that surplus has been celebrated by every vote blue sycophant on the planet. You would think the GOP and others would be all over that and say, that's the way to do it. But alas, they couldn't possibly tip their hat to Brother Bill. But Brother Bill fucked us all because what Brother Bill did was instituted the cuts that gave George W. Bush a recession. I can say that with a straight face and explain it in spades, and that doesn't mean I'm supporting George W. Bush. But there's some fuck stick out there that's going to sit there and say, you're putting down Clinton. Why are you beating up on the Democrats? Why aren't you beating up on Bush? Worthless. 
But in that time period, we all celebrated Brother Bill's surplus, except for the single moms who found out what the definition of welfare reform was. And every Tom, Dick, and Harry ran around telling them, do better, make better choices, stop being a moocher. Okay? Stop being a moocher. They create a place that deifies the rich. So we believe that we need the rich, that we can't survive without the rich, that the government printing money, the government created, that's not the real economy. The real economy is, I'm like, what, dick stick? You're telling me that the only way the real economy works is if it's private debt that someone borrows the money from a bank? That you're celebrating, you fucker? Yes. But most people sat there and celebrated Bill Clinton's surplus. And the surplus was founded on a couple things. Number one, massive deficit reduction. Massive cuts to government programs called austerity. Massive private debt based on investments and crazy shit like dogwalker.com and other fake-ass pop-up web things that didn't even have a customer, didn't even have an employee, didn't even have a physical presence, but they had millions upon millions of dollars of investment seed money. And then they walk away, they fold up their tent, and they do it again. And so everybody was believing and still believes we needed to reduce the deficit. This is the same thing as putting leeches on and saying we're going to cure the patient by bleeding the patient. But we believed it. Because who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the Republicans? You're going to believe the Democrats? Who are you going to believe? The experts? All the economists, save for the MMT community, were busy telling you we got to reduce the deficit. It's immoral. The debt, the national debt, it's a travesty. We're going to be passing it on our grandkids. It's immoral. Places like the Pete Peterson Foundation paid huge sums of money to go ahead and create the fix the debt, which breeds austerity in every partisan person from the Republicans and the Democrats support it. And we all hear this every day. But in reality, when we reduce the deficit, when we cut spending, we reduce the money in the economy. So we're cheering on our own demise. Can you imagine that? It's kind of like cheering on them sacrificing the maiden at the top of the pyramid as they behead the young child to bring about the next crop. Yeah. So great. We've allowed, we've allowed each other to fail because what ends up happening is in the absence of knowledge, we create a false narrative. We create a new fake God. We create a new blueprint. And we tell everybody we know about it. Invest in Dogecoin. 
you'll all you'll thank me to the moon. Every single one of these loud and proud, I know what I'm doing. They just mislead so many people. It's not good enough to say I don't know. What has to happen, apparently, is you have to tell people your fake story. Because saying you don't know is seen as weakness. So take a moment away from the story here. Let's go ahead and open this up. Humorous says, I have just one question, Steve. Who are we supposed to be in debt to? Our law creates our money. So who are we in debt to? I truly don't understand who we are in debt to. Exactly. Some space monkeys in freaking Jupiter. See, the way that the ledger works is one side of the ledger is the asset. The other side of the ledger is the liability. When the government spends money into the economy, that's its liability to accept that back as a tax. The person in possession of the dollar has a tax credit. That's their asset. Doesn't look that way if you look at it the other way around, right? See, we're always conditioned to think that the government's debt is our debt, when in reality, the government's debt is the mirror opposite it's our asset. But they don't tell you that. And they tell you to go run around grabbing up gold and stash it under your pillow. Save it for a rainy day. Buy some Bitcoin. And they swear by it and they huddle in huge masses because people are desperate for information. Desperate for someone to tell them what to do. Now, unfortunately... You'll notice that we do have a very, very bad track record of picking the wrong things to bond over. Folks, oh man, crypto's going to replace the dollar. Can we line all those people up in front of everyone and have them one by one apologize to everyone for that? Can we? I mean, for real. Like, they didn't know, but they were part of that hoodle, part of that pump and dump, part of that pyramid, that scheme. The Bernie Madoff style schemes. And I think to myself, they didn't know their ass from their elbow, but they ran around saying it with a lot of conviction. So, you know, and then I think what is really troubling is that there's very well placed stupid questions. <laughs> stupid questions. Forgive me for itching my nose. I don't know what the hell is going on. I got a bunch of hives on me. I guess I guess I'm having a reaction. But it'll be like, well, if you print all this money, won't you have inflation? And everybody's like, oh, my God, I only know that taxes don't fund spending. I have no idea what causes inflation. Oh, my God, I don't know how to answer this question. So the asshole that asks the dumb question ends up looking like a fucking genius parroting the ignorance that they just said because the other people don't know how to respond. And so naturally, the narrative now is, you print money, you got inflation. Came from Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman told all his libertarian fucksticks that inflation only comes from when the government prints money. 
And so there they are repeating it like a fucking seal at a carnival doing what they're told. Or, or, or. Inflation. Printing money. But in a post-truth world, when you explain to them, no. Well, it causes hyperinflation. Look at Venezuela. Look at Germany. Look at Weimar Republic. Look at Zimbabwe. See, it's like, I've never heard that before. Are you telling me that they printed money and they had hyperinflation? Oh. Okay. And they say it with conviction and they say it as if they know, but they don't know and they're wrong. They're fucking wrong. But we're all trapped in this disinformation loop. And sometimes we're the asshole pushing bad information out there, and sometimes someone else is. Because there's no one out there that has always got it right. Okay? And so you're always left questioning. Who's going to help you make decisions? There's no harm in admitting you don't know. But there's no guarantee someone else that does will help you. And there's no guarantee that someone else who says they know really knows. So because this world doesn't guarantee our basic needs, because this world doesn't guarantee our health, because this world doesn't guarantee basic living needs available to us, whether we deserve them or not, because we're not guaranteed that. These decisions aren't just, you know, you win some, you lose some. No. These decisions carry forward major consequences. And I'm 54 years old now, I almost said 53. (laughs) Turned 54 on April Fool's Day. But all the bad decisions I've made in my lifetime are coming back to haunt me. They never left. Every day is a day where I'm sitting here gripping. I've got these degrees. But this tsunami behind me is too big. I can't run fast enough to get away from it. I don't sleep at night. I don't know who to call. And when I do call, people give me fucking platitudes. Platitude salad. Oh, that sucks. Oh, that must suck. Oh, gosh. That's tough. The reality is, it is tough. And you make the wrong mistake. You make the wrong choice. You're going down. And there's not a goddamn thing that can stop it from happening. And you got to look at your kids and say, I'm so sorry I failed you. I tried so hard. But instead, the, the world just keeps on moving. The world just keeps on pumping out pain, pumping out hate, pumping out disinformation, pumping out impossible choices, choices of, Do I live for five days or do I die today? 
in five days, I got to relive this moment and make the same decision again because I can only punt it five days at a time, six days at a time, a month at a time, six months at a time, maybe. And then you're right back to it. And it's like, well, hey, didn't somebody help you six months ago? It's almost as if nobody understands what's going on in the world around them. And here we are today with millions of people in this situation. And we refuse to pull together. We refuse to work together. We refuse to help one another. There are some angels out there in the world. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Your life is forfeit. You're not worth saving. You're just another number. You're not even a human being. Now, there may be somebody that cares about you, but it ain't this world. It ain't this system. And it isn't this government. And it certainly isn't the banker on the other end of the phone who's getting you a 2% higher rate than what they could have given you. The difference between 2% is hundreds of dollars a month in payments. And they get incentivized to give you the highest loan, highest rate possible. So I think it's important to understand that until we acknowledge this is the world we're in and we start pulling together and recognizing anybody that tries to say, oh, it's bullshit. You just do the right thing, whatever. You got to move on past them. They ain't your tribe. They ain't worth fucking having in your life. One that always has some counter to what you're saying. Oh, oh no, no. It's not capitalism. It's not this. It's not that. Oh, you should invest. Oh, just move on past them. You got to find people that are willing to not be the fucking asshole, to not be the fucking shithead smarty pants, but to be the one that sits down and meets you where you are and helps you overcome. And the worst part of this is that not only do most people not have family that can do that, most people don't have a network of friends that can help them either. And then when you do fall on hard times, you've got some asshole saying, well, deal with it. I'm fucking struggling too. Why should I give a shit about you struggling? This is why I do real progressives. This is why I do the work that I do. I can always tell when people are doing a little bit better than others because they don't really like the side of the coin. They're too busy trying to tell me capitalism doesn't exist or, oh, just, you know, that's bullshit or coming up with some story to fucking make your real experience seem stupid. And I don't have those people in my life. I push them out of my life because I don't need people like that in my life. I need people that are willing to make a difference in my life because I'm willing to make a difference in their life. I'm willing to come out here every day I can to do this. I'm willing to go on every show I can to talk about modern monetary theory. I'm willing to go out there and read every book possible to learn as much as I can to try and help somebody. And I do it for free. I don't sit there and try and charge you money. The unfortunate thing is 
I have to live too, right? And so we're back at that weird table. Shouldn't this information be free? Yes. How are you going to pay for your food? I don't know. Just remember, this is not about me, though. I'm just using myself and, and other broader ideas to paint this larger picture that most people are dealing with. I can tell you right now, my mom, my father and my mom built a house with their bare hands back in 70-something, and we moved in in 74. I remember riding my bicycle. I had a bicentennial banana seat bike, red, white, and blue with the Liberty Bells on the seat and the tassels, red, white, and blue tassels. Thought I was the bee's knees, man. It was a Ross, I think, the bike. And uh, when my father passed away in 2016, right after, uh, right after Bernie had capitulated that September, You know, I knew it was only a matter of time before my mom was struggling too. And my mom ended up having to go in for a bypass a few years ago. And when she went in for the bypass, she had issues. Her veins collapsed. She got gangrene. Her toe had to be amputated. They thought they were going to have to take her leg. And she ended up having a reaction to the anesthesia that has brought about dementia. And she's never been the same since. My sister, thank God. My sister is not well to do at all. My sister, just a regular old manager at a local shop in a local community, making very, very local dollars. But she's taking my mom in. Thank God. Thank God. But they're trying to sell my mom's house. Nobody knows what to do. They're sitting there striving. They're trying to figure it out. But they're terrified because any bad move you make and everything is lost. That's it. There's no fixing it. There's no fixing it. It's gone. And the system will come through. It will buy up your house at foreclosure. Some jackass with money will flip it and sell it. Make money hand over fist on your suffering. And they'll call that a good economy because one person's spendings and another person's income just on paper that's true it's an accounting identity it's real but when you're crafting society and you think that everybody should have to be in dog eat dog precarity just to fucking eat just to stay out of the ice storm Boy, oh boy, have we fucked society, haven't we? Who are you going to go to? Who are you going to ask for help? And what happens if when you really need help, the only people you have around you have already helped you and they don't want to help anymore because they can't? You know, I have family members who are doing very well. They don't check on us. They don't talk to us. We don't talk to them. Too busy telling us about their trips to Africa or Florida or here or there. Kids graduating bougie schools. Life is good. 
Everybody's got a couple Land Rovers. Everybody's got this and that. And it's like you'd get the scowling face of, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't approve. A disapproving face, right? Like, well, just keep putting one foot ahead of the other. It'll work out in the end, I promise. Thoughts and prayers. Everybody can live worse. Everybody can live better. There's always some person say, well, count your blessings. But when you understand that we could make sure that every person's okay and not have to worry about having all the special knowledge about things that shouldn't fucking matter. You shouldn't need to know how to gauge some company's bottom line and invest to survive. You shouldn't need to understand what crypto dust is. You shouldn't need to know the ins and outs of NFTs. You shouldn't need to have a certain amount of money to invest before they'll take your deposit so you can get in. You shouldn't, it should not be a privilege to be a rich person and get an even better interest rate Because after all, you're great credit risk. We, we know you got money. You're not going to do it. So we're going to give you like 0% loan or 1% loan. You over there, the kid that is going to fucking die if you don't get this loan. How about 29.9% interest? Sound like a good plan? Well, we got another card over here for 34% interest. I'm telling you right now. We don't have anyone watching out for us. Not the government, not our politicians. Most of our families are not equipped to understand. And sadly, for those who do have that, they think everyone has that and they treat us like dog shit. That's the privileged bourgeois fuckers. But even they don't realize they're one decision away from being fucked. Anyway. This weekend, Saturday, we've got Bill Black on Macro and Cheese. And uh, we're talking about Left of Boom. If you don't know what Left of Boom is, he'll explain it in the podcast. You can look it up. That's coming out Saturday morning, 8 a.m. I'll do another Rogue Scholar on Friday. I'll also be on Political Misfits on Friday. Um, please do me a favor. If you are uh, someone that values our content, please like, and subscribe. There they are. Please like, and subscribe to our channel. I appreciate the live comments, but if you wouldn't mind coming in after the live comments, leave comments for the other people, the new people that are coming and watching on replay, keep the conversation going. Don't be afraid to engage. We need people talking about this stuff. And if they come to the comments we'd love for you to be there to help bring those comments together um with that i really appreciate everyone okay and i'm i'm exposing myself i'm i'm telling you stuff about my life and i'm trying to build cases for you all to think about it because we need to take care of each other that's what solidarity is all about 
I'm Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar, and I am out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 